Hey guys, it's Brett here. Uh, just wanted to hop in real quick before the start of this episode. It's a great episode. We talk about Hunter Renfro and some of the other roster moves the Rays made and could potentially make. But this was recorded back on Sunday. So we recorded this before the news that Charlie Morton uh, was signed by the Atlanta Braves and before the Randy Rosarena news out of Mexico. So a disclaimer about that. Uh, you, you'll hear us talk, I think, about Morton and Rosarena in the episode. And just a quick disclaimer that this was recorded before either of those stories broke. And we are going to talk about Charlie Morton and everything else that's gone on in next week's episode of Raise Your Voice. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed if you want to hear that next week. But just wanted to hop in here real quick before the episode starts. And I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and I'm joined today by Darby Robinson. Darby, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just living the winter baseball dream of waiting around for things to happen. Yeah, we've got some news. Uh, Last week's episode, we did our state of the roster. We had JT and Jim on where we, eh, not really predicted, but we kind of talked through all the moves that could have been made before the Rule 5 deadline and the non-tender deadline. And lo and behold, some of the moves that, I'm not going to say that we predicted, but that we might have thought were possible did happen. So the Rays added three players to the 40-man roster, infielder Taylor Walls, uh, go Knowles. Um, They brought um, Josh Lowe, the younger brother of Nate Lowe, onto the 40-man roster. And then Drew Strotman, who JT kind of included as like a potential wild card for a pitch, a young pitcher that could be added to the 40-man. Um, before that, though, the 40-man was at 39. So to bring in three players, they had to cut two. Brian O'Grady gets DFA'd. Uh, that's a player the Rays acquired from the Cincinnati Reds last offseason. Only had five plate appearances with the Rays. And then the bigger name, the more recognizable name, uh, was Hunter Renfro. No, not the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver, Clemson National Championship uh, winning wide receiver Hunter Renfro, but the outfielder that the Rays acquired last offseason in a trade for Tommy Pham with the San Diego Padres and obviously some other pieces involved in that too. Uh, but but Darby, Hunter Renfro, DFA'd, were you shocked at all? No, no. I think I don't think anybody besides maybe um, you know casual baseball fans who don't really follow the Rays were shocked. Because he, he is a big name, and he has a one season removed from a almost breakout year, especially defensively a breakout year in 2019. But no, I, I think it, it says more about just the state of the Rays roster and kind of coming and, – and his season in 2020, we'll have to talk about that, uh, that he really was the most likely DFA candidate. You know, the roster space is going to be – is it's gold. It's worth its weight in gold, especially for a team that's incredibly deep in major league talent and the number one farm system, you need to clear space. And so a guy like Hunter Renfro, who was probably going to be a nice bounce back candidate for a lot of teams, uh, not really that shocking of a, of a cut. Um, I think you, you saw people like, you know, Saris and, and uh, Mike Petriello and like it, it really, you know, Fangraphs had him as the most likely cut. I think this was, you know, big name, but, not not super shocking makes makes a lot of sense another guy that struggled to be an everyday player this season the rays didn't use him like solely as a hitter against left-handed pitching 
that's kind of the role he was playing. Optically, the defense didn't look great during his, his time in Tampa Bay, and it, it was such a small sample size, and I didn't really get to watch him enough to, to make a final judgment because everything we heard out of San Diego was that he's a great defender uh, in the outfield and that he could potentially play every day in right field for the Rays. Um, but what we saw is, like, he, he, he wasn't getting into the lineup every day. He was really only put in there against left-handed pitching or off the bench when the Rays needed a big home run. And he did come up with a couple really big home runs in a Rays uniform, including a grand slam in the wildcard round against the Toronto Blue Jays. But another player that they didn't take up the same role on the roster that might have been his spot on the roster might have been put in jeopardy by the breakout of Randy Rosarena, who was another right-handed hitting outfielder that can play left maybe play right field. I don't really know for sure. Um, and and ha- obviously had an incredible postseason in the Rays, have a Rosarena in their long-term plans. Darby, I mean, what would have, if the Rays had kept Renfro, like what would his role on the team have been next season? I want to give a kudos to Hunter Renfro for, you know, accepting his role. I mean, coming to the Rays is tough for a lot of these guys. Like Jose Martinez is another guy your role is to basically come in and kill left-handed pitching. And then you're going to sit against right-handed pitching. And unfortunately there's a lot more right-handed people on earth than left-handed people. And so uh, not unfortunately, I'm not like anti-right. I'm also right-handed, but no, it's, it's just the, the state of the game, right? You're on the short side of the platoon. And so your role is small and like, he's coming off of a 30 home run season. You mentioned the defense. In 2019, he was worth 23 defensive runs saved. That's one of the best in baseball this year. He was negative. Uh, He was positive in UZR uh, over 150, and he was negative this year. So his defense definitely regressed. Last year, maybe that was an outlier. Maybe this year, I mean, I'm not going to really read much into this year. It's too small a sample. But I do give him credit for for accepting his role, you know, being a, a guy who, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to make that adjustment to not play every day when you've been playing every day. It's hard to get your rhythm as a hitter. If you're just, you know, sitting and sitting and sitting and then, Oh, now you're in and you get a lefty. And a lot of times you might like in the postseason, right. You had, you had some really tough lefties that he had to face. It wasn't like the easy, easy job there. And, and um, his post, his postseason did have one really great highlight game. I think it was game three. Uh, against Houston where he made like a couple of amazing plays out there that, that won us that game. Uh, and who knows, they may not win that series without that. He hit the, you know, you mentioned it, the backbreaking grand slam against Toronto to finish off them. So, you know, a, a disappointing uh, raised tenure uh, for Hunter Renfro. It's not what we expected, but it's one of those, you know, the circumstances kind of brought him there and you mentioned Randy. So, when the Rays trade uh, for Hunter Renfro or, or make a big trade that includes Hunter Renfro, because we're going to talk, we have to talk a little bit about that fam trade, but Hunter Renfro is the most notable name coming back. Uh, that happens in 2019, about a month, actually about almost two months later in 2020 in January, the Rays trade Matthew Libertor for Jose Martinez who kind of almost takes a similar spot of like DH left-handed masher and Randy Rosarena. And that was really obviously the, the clear get for the Rays. That's who they were targeting was Randy. They had apparently been coveting him for a, a couple of years now. In fact, there was rumors that he actually was the person they were trying to target 
they wanted to get and then moved to FAM a couple of years before that. So, so they've had their eyes on Randy and it's tough. Randy's an outfielder, power hitter, right-handed. That's basically Hunter's role. So he kind of gets supplanted by him. Obviously in the postseason, Randy's now a locked-in starter and probably the face of the franchise. But I think another Padre, another acquisition from, from last year is really what killed his roster spot. And that was Manuel Margot. With Manuel Margot kind of emerging and becoming like a, a guy you have to play every day. It was really hard to get Renfro into the lineup because Margot was a better defender. And Margot's bat as a righty against lefties is really good. He's a, he's really strong against lefties. So he can't sit against lefties at all. And so his, it was just a really tough spot in the, in the outfield to, to find playing time. Cause you're not going to get it over Kevin Kiermaier. You're not going to get it over Margot and you're not going to get over Randy Rosarena. And you still have Austin Meadows. So if you're not getting that playing time, he, he deserves playing time for somebody. The only way that I kind of saw Renfro being able to get plate appearances next year was if the Rays traded Kevin Kiermaier, which is still possible. They could still go on and do that. But it hasn't happened yet. And the deadline to you know decide on Hunter Renfro, well, to non-tender him would have been by, by next Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever December 2nd is. And we, we can talk about that in just a second, too. Um, but like you said, Manuel Margot, who right now is the direct understudy to Kevin Kiermaier, and beneath him is another direct understudy, Brett Phillips, who you can use as a defender, you can use as a pinch runner, you can use him to walk off game four of the World Series. I mean, talk about versatility. Brett Phillips has got it. Um, so if the Rays had traded Kevin Kiermaier... You need an MLB the show player if exactly. Snell's injured. Yeah, yeah. Got him. yeah and uh, so if the Rays had traded Kiermaier, you could have seen Hunter Renfro fit in where you've got a Rosarena in left, you've got Margot starting in center, Renfro starting in right, with Brett Phillips and Austin Meadows being the, those fill-in outfielders. Austin Meadows, you kind of hope that he remains as the designated hitter, or at least I do. And you've also got Yoshi Tsutsugo, who the Rays brought in as a free agent last year. That money's guaranteed for next year, so you couldn't move on from him unless you trade him. Um, and, and it kind of sucks for Hunter Renfro because, like you said, he deserves a chance. I know he's never been a huge on-base percentage guy, but in previous years, the defense has been there and the power has definitely been there. Um, so I, I expect he'll be on a big league roster next year and probably in a much greater role than he played on the Rays. I do think it just speaks to the Rays' depth that they acquire a guy like Renfro and he's a role player. That shows and then the Rays were a World Series team. Like, you bring in players like that to fill in gaps if, if you're that good of a team. And that's what the race did. And they get him. They also lose Brian O'Grady, uh, a guy that a left-handed bat, power bat, positional versatility. He could play in the infield. He could play in the outfield. Um, but with Yoshi, who kind of fills the same role and was probably a better hitter, no real room for Brian O'Grady. Do, were, were, you, were you upset by the DFA of, of Brian O'Grady? Uh, no, no, not really. Um, the, however, I think O'Grady, it's one of those, this is where like the rule five draft exists and it's, it's why you kind of need to do roster churn, right? He's obviously not going to be in the rule five draft. He's, he's now a free agent. He can sign anywhere. Um, but it's why those things, right? Cause like a guy like O'Grady is starting to get to that point where he probably should get a shot. You know, he should be at least the next call up from, from AAA or maybe even, you know, giving a, 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 a at least a platoon role 
on some team. The Rays are a World Series team. They're a perennial 90-win team. They're a AL East contender. It's hard to make that roster, right? And and it's nothing against Brian O'Grady. I think he's a guy that you've seen it with like a, a guy like Mike Yastrzemski with the Giants. Uh, different situation. Like he, you know, the Orioles probably should have been trying to see what they had in Mike Yastrzemski, uh, clearly. But I think that's something like, you know, that's the best case scenario for Brian O'Grady. But I think going to a team that's maybe not in that part of their win curve, that's not really contending right now, that has, uh, you know, a role, has an opening. Hunter Renfro, maybe you go to a team that is contending that needs a right fielder, that needs some power uh, from the right side. Brian O'Grady, I don't know, you know, Detroit, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, any, any place that maybe is like, hey, we have a room, we want you we want to see what we got. Uh, let's, let's try it out and maybe take that job and never look back. So again, it's very, it's just really tough to fit that role here uh, on this team with an outfield. You mentioned it's super packed and it's just, it, it's filling in behind it too. I mean, you have guys like, uh, like Bruhan, you have guys uh, Josh like Lowe. Xavier, Josh Lowe, who is a potential center field uh, candidate or corner outfield candidate. You have guys that have like been, uh, double you know kind of training in the outfield too that can maybe be moved out there so yeah it's just really tough to be an outfielder on a team this deep um so it's it's you know hopefully O'Grady I think there's there should be a team that you know takes him and, and gives him a shot uh in at least some role um I did I did see one thing you know before we move on uh Jim Bowden former he, he ran teams people gave him the keys to their franchise at one point. Uh, and he mentioned how he, he had a very bad take. He had a very yeah. ill-informed take uh, about how both the uh, Ronaldo Nunez of the Orioles being cut and Hunter Renfro being cut are both entirely because they've reached ARB and they're making some money. Right. And money is a factor in every move in baseball, no doubt. Especially However, the Rays, too. Especially the Rays, right? We, you know, but I think there's a real case here with Hunter Renfro if he was league minimum, and like we don't know, like for just in a vacuum, Hunter Renfro versus Brett Phillips for this team for that role off the bench. Obviously, different, very different players. Who is more valuable as a guy that's not going to play a lot but plays a role off the bench? I feel like there's a good case that you maybe want the defense and speed of Phillips over Renfro. So I feel like there's, I cannot, it is not money is the number one reason. Money is always a factor. It is all the reason to be said. It's, it's space. It's that. So I, I think this is definitely not uh, the Rays being cheap. It's definitely the Rays choosing, you know, what fits the roster best. Yeah. Uh, and if, if they do, I obviously that, yeah, the Renfro decision, like Renfro wasn't, good this year and we've talked about how that's not maybe maybe all his fault i don't i haven't taken a whole lot of stock into players who have struggled in 2020 and i've got to make sure i do that both ways that players that have had an amazing 2020 it is still a very small sample size hunter renfro had 139 plate appearances in a raise uniform that's not much but in those 139 plate appearances he wasn't good it was a 252 on base percentage a 393 slugging a 76 wrc plus the lowest WRC plus of his of his career. So was not good. According to Fangraphs, was worth negative 0.4 wins above replacement. He wasn't a good player this year. And 
maybe he could becomes a good player. The, the player he was in San Diego at, at you know, his last couple of years as a Padre. Uh, but the Rays are competing for a World Series next year. They need to try to improve that roster spot if they can, or at least get similar production. Well, the, technically, they got no production from Hunter Renfro, but get similar production um, from a much cheaper player. Now, if the Rays do eventually trade Kevin Kiermeyer, let's say, uh, later this offseason, then I do think there becomes a need to bring in another outfielder that's primarily known for his bat. Because right now, you're, you're penciling in your five opening day outfielders as Randy, KK, Meadows, Phillips, and Margot. Those are your five. You've got Randy, who's there for his bat, and Meadows, that's there for his bat. And then you've got KK Margot. Well, Margot can 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 hit too, but then you've got KK Margot and Phillips, who are more known for their gloves. So if the Rays do trade KK, and they just try to replace the outfield spot with like someone off the trash heap, that's a little bit troubling because you could see what they were doing with with trying to bring in Hunter Renfro when they made that trade. We can't forget the Rays traded. Tommy Pham and Jake Cronenworth to bring in Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards, who obviously we haven't seen yet. But on the other end of that, Jake Cronenworth finished third in National League Rookie of the Year voting this year. Another guy that probably wouldn't have got a chance with the Rays. And Tommy Pham, his status is kind of up in the air. He's dealt with a lot of stuff. Injuries, he was stabbed, um, and he's doing fine now. But his status with the Padres is kind of unclear Let's revisit the the Tommy Pham trade, Darby, because the reaction, some of the reaction after the Hunter Renfro DFA was, well, the Rays have clearly lost the Tommy Pham trade. Do you think that's the case? I don't think it's a clear loss. I don't, I, it's not a clear win, and I think that's what a lot of times Rays fans especially are used to. They're used to the Randy Rosarina one where we can be like, win. Uh, the, the first Tommy Pham trade. Well, bef- before you go on, those three trades that the Rays made, the three that we've talked about already, the Fam trade, the Pagan Margot trade, and the Matthew Libertor for Jose Martinez and Randy trade, I kind of look at those as all one big move that the Rays made to shift their outfield, to move some pieces, to bring in some new prospects that they liked. And we've talked about it a lot. All those moves kind of worked with each other that, yeah, if you just you know swap Hunter Renfro and Tommy Fam. Hunter Renfro is not as good as Tommy Pham. But if you bring in Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena and Manuel Margot, you bring in all these other pieces that as a whole, that deal makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, and I think that's a way you have to look at the Rays offseason. You know? And coming up, the Rays are going to do another move or they're going to sign somebody or they're going to make a trade and it's going to feel weird. And then there's going to do another move a week or two weeks or a month later and you go, oh, okay. So really, it's always hard. It's really hard to hot take the Rays offseason while it's happening. You really have to kind of wait. You have to ride the roller coaster and then be like, what is, here's all the pieces. Okay, let's see what we got. Because you're absolutely right. Hunter Renfro for Tommy Pham is, is a downgrade, right? You can you can see it as like, okay, maybe a little bit more power, maybe a little bit more defense as Pham has kind of gone downhill with injury. Renfro maybe uphill with the with the defense. But one-to-one, that doesn't really work. However, for Tommy Pham's salary, you can then have Hunter Renfro and sign Yoshi Tsutsugo. And then you can basically put 
Yoshi Sutsugo and Hunter Renfro put those together and outproduce Tommy Pham, that's the idea, right? You, you now become, you have a better left field or right field production than you had before after you make a few other moves, trades and signs. That's, that's the raise way, right? It's, it's oftentimes shifting money around where it's, you're, you're maybe saving money on future salary, but you're not saving money in present day salary. You're just moving that money around. Instead of paying it 6 million one, you're paying four and two. Mm-hmm. It didn't really work out as well as they hoped. It didn't really work out for the Padres either with FAM part of that trade. FAM was a disappointment there. Renfro was a disappointment here. Yoshi didn't you know translate very well. I think Yoshi coming going forward, I'm a lot more, uh, I, I'm buying Yoshi stock right now. I think Renfro is a good bounce back candidate. I'm very much on the Yoshi train. Um, I, I hope Fam bounces back. I think his cavalcade of injuries and it's starting at his age is starting to become a little worrying, but I still think there's a lot, there's a lot to like there. Um, Cronenworth and Xavier Edwards is really what this trade comes down to, right? Like the, the outfielders turned into being like, you know, six to one half dozen the other, depending upon which one. Um, Jay Cronenworth, you said third in rookie of the year voting really strong season had a had a pretty good postseason too um but this is another one of those things where i would say right now you would say the padres won the trade where i'm going to say that that you should not say that yet where i'd say this trade is probably going to end up being pretty good for both teams uh but not in the way they thought originally or not exactly in the way that most people thought originally is that we don't know what xavier edwards is and it's always going to be how good is he similar to the matthew libertor trade it's how good is randy going to be if he's okay, then you maybe don't really love the trade. If he's great, if he does what he does in the postseason, you go, yeah, I love this trade. We don't know what Edwards yet. We're not going to see him probably for another year or two. Um, we And we saw what Jay Cronenworth could do. However, I do want to say with Cronenworth, the expectations from this season is kind of wild, right? Hunter Renfro, we're saying very disappointing, bad year. And, and it's true. But his, his BABIP was 172. Like an insanely low, actually, no, sorry, 141. Uh, lowest by half in his career. Uh, crazy low uh, Babbitt. He could not get grounders to go through at all. Everything went in. If he gets 10 more grounders, suddenly that batting average is over 200 and it's looking a little bit better and his WRC plus is into the high 80s. And suddenly it's, it's that close when it comes to this shortest sample. When it comes to Jay Cronenworth, if you flipped his first half and his second half and kept them all the same, but just the first half happens in the second half, I don't know if people are, I don't know if he's finishing in the rookie of the year. Maybe he actually wins it because he finishes hot. Or maybe people are not all that buying it because here's Jay Cronenworth's season. Again, we're talking about less than 200 plate appearances, 192 plate appearances. His first 94 plate appearances, he slashes 360, 415, 605 for a whopping 174 WRC plus. Amazing. Like that's incredible. The one they got away for the race. The next Ben's over us, people were saying, with that versatility. Second half, 98 plate appearances. He slashes a 209 batting average, 296 on base percentage, 349 slugging for a 78 WRC plus. Big difference there. Two points. Two points better than Hunter Renfro's season WRC Plus that we were incredibly disappointed by. So 
obviously different players. Cronenworth's versatile defender, uh, kind of has like a Joey Wendell type of thing. But if you really look at it on the season, we're talking about a very hot first half, small sample, and a very bad, you know, kind of second half, bad, you know, small sample. We don't know what he is yet. So Jay Cronenworth, I think, is going to be a solid major league player. But it's, this is probably going to come down to, you know, veteran outfielders of Fam and Renfro. Cronenworth being maybe a Joey Wendell, maybe Tommy LaStella, like upside type of guy, like that Quinn player, which is really good. Uh, and oh, and then whatever Xavier Edwards gets you, right? So if, if Edwards breaks out in a couple of years, then you're looking at this in the past and you're thinking, that's probably a win. If, if Jay Cronenworth is, is just a Joey Wendell, which is still really good, and Fam and Renfro never really pan out, Edwards might be like the deciding piece and suddenly you're like, Oh, that was a win. So right now I'd say it's an incomplete, but it's, it's not the big W for the Rays, like right off the bat that you, you'd kind of hope for with a Tommy fam trade, but you know, it's, it's what it is. It's, it's, we don't know the, we don't know the end story. Yeah. The other point I want to make on that trade is I know the Rays don't make decisions based on this, but you don't keep Hunter Renfro in just hopes that he's going to turn good and all of a sudden you've won the Tommy Pham trade. That's already a sunk cost. You're not getting Tommy Pham back. You're not getting Jake Cronenworth back. The only thing you can do from here on out is whatever it takes to make the team better. So that's what I just wanted to say about as soon as the trade came through, it was mostly just people on Twitter. I don't know if anyone specifically said this in the media, but, oh, well, now the Rays have lost the Tommy Pham trade. Uh, the goal isn't to just win the trade. It's to make the team better. So you can, I know the Rays definitely did not take this into consideration and I'm glad that they didn't. Um, But moving on from Hunter Renfro, you know, if if you lose the fam trade, it's fine. If you can replace him on the roster, get better, maybe save money, maybe reinvest some of that money elsewhere. Um, Yeah, that's really all that matters in the end. So Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Darby, before we go today, we do have the December 2nd non-tender deadline coming up. The Rays have cut some salary up to this point. We saw Charlie Morton and Mike Zanino. Both of their options were declined. Um, In terms of guys that that were above league minimum, the guys that were in arbitration or on other types of contracts, Traz Rowe has been let go. Um, Obviously, now Hunter Renfro was the other one. The only players that the Rays have going into arbitration um, they've got actually they've got four players on guaranteed contracts. So that's Kevin Kiermeyer, Blake Snell, Yoshi Tsutsugo, Brandon Lau. Those guys cannot be non-tendered. The players they have going into arbitration are Tyler Glass now, Manuel Margot, Ryan Yarbrough, Joey Wendell, who is just listed as Joe Wendell on spot on spot track, uh, G Man <laughs> Choi, Yanni Torinos, and Jose Alvarado. Do you think the ro- the 40-man roster is full? So obviously p- players are going to have to move around if the Rays want to add any other players this this uh, offseason, which they're going to have to do. Do you see any players that are going into arbitration 
uh, being non-tendered before December 2nd. I don't think I see anybody any anybody getting non-tendered, but I, I would not be surprised if we see like a smaller trade of a potentially a G-Man Choi or a Joey Wendell. Um, I, I, I think a Kevin Kiermeyer trade is still going to be a little too... That's that's going to be a, a bigger thing, a tougher thing to like parse out because he's still owed a lot of money and this is an off-season where nobody wants to spend any money at all. Right. So it's like you're you're it's going to be a real hard sell right now if you are in the if you have a lot of money, you might be in the George Springer race. And until you have Springer off the table, you're not really going to be wanting to in the Kevin Kiermaier race. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is suddenly now an affordable option that it, that's going to be a tougher one to do, right? I think that's like a potential big package move that you could trade uh, to free up space and maybe shift, you know, what your funds around. Uh, I don't see any of the the big guys that you mentioned as non-tenders straight out. I do think we might see a trade of one of these kind of role players potentially. Um, I think money-wise, they're close. Uh, but I think I think you could see potentially a Joey Wendell or a G Manchester. It would not surprise me to see them traded for you know one of these those smaller moves, right? And I think and I think both of them are kind of replaceable on the roster. Now, replaceable in our hearts, never, never for G Man. But you do have for 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 G Man. There's Nate Lowe, who is is he replace? Is that a straight up replacement though? That, that's, I think, a question for another day. But <laughs> I think there is there is a, uh, I think there is a, you can see the roster spot. You know, it's left-handed hitting power first baseman. He cannot do the splits or dance like G-Man. So that's not replaceable. And then, and then with Joey, you, you have, you have guys, Taylor Walls is actually like a pretty, you could potentially just move him right into that spot as a kind of the emergency backup shortstop, the Willie needs to have a day off or a couple days off, but you're not ready to call up Wander yet. Spot yeah, that guy Wander that, Franco. That, that Joey can do. What about that guy? You know, that's yeah. the thing about Joey Wendell is he is versatile. He can play second. He can play third. Stick him in left field with that giant glove. Um, he's hitting pretty well. Like last year in 2020, he put up almost an identical year to his 2018 season, which was his big breakout year. 2019, he dealt with injuries. He struggled at the plate comes back in 2020 and plays really well. But like you said, Taylor Walls, switch hitting middle infielder. Wander Franco, switch hitting middle infielder. Vidal Brujan, switch hitting middle infielder. Like there are three Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell's not a switch hitter. He's only a lefty. Joey Wendell and Mike Brasso were your infielders. One was left-handed, one was right-handed. There are three guys that you would, at least two of them, Brujan and, and Franco, that you project to be better than Joey Wendell when they get to the big leagues, or maybe not right away, but very soon after. So Joey Wendell is the guy that I'm very comfortable with them moving on. G-Man Troy, I, I, I think he's better than Nate Lowe. I think maybe the same bat, but from what I saw defensively out of G-Man in the playoffs and throughout the year, really, I really like him at first base from a guy that I never thought I was going to be comfortable with at first base. Maybe Nate Lowe can, you know, he slimmed down a lot. I don't know how much that really means at first base. Uh, and I haven't seen a whole lot of Nate Lowe, but I, I would be upset if they moved on from G-Man. The other name, maybe a wild card, Jose Alvarado, who has dealt with a lot personally and on the baseball field the last couple of years, dealt with injury, was removed from the World Series roster due to injury. 
Um, he'll be going into his first year of arbitration. And maybe I think Spotrac has him around a million dollars. They think he might make that. I don't know how accurate this site is. Um, but Jose Alvarado, a guy that at one point, not too long ago, was kind of penciled in to be the closer. What do you think the Rays thoughts are on, on Jose Alvarado after the struggles he's kind of been through the last couple of years? Mo- moving on from relievers for the Rays would ne- will never shock me. It will never, it will never, never shock me. However, I, I do think Alvarado is a guy that they, I think there's a lot of trust there, but I think there's a million dollars, a million dollars for a reliever, especially when you, when, when you're a team that can, that can really churn out guys like a John Curtis and Aaron Sluggers and, and find Oliver Drake and Aaron Loop and Chaz Rowe. All those guys uh, are to, gone to now, get, though. They're all gone now, but the next one is out there. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> waiting to be cut by some team, and then the Rays <laughs> pick them up immediately, and they go, damn it. <laughs> what do they know? Uh, no, I, I, I would hope – I really, really personally am a huge Jose Alvarado fan, and I, I would like to see him stay. I would like to – I feel like he is one of those guys, and it's, and it's always with relievers. You can go from – bad to great to bad again so quickly it's the life of a reliever but i i feel like he has like a potential like unbelievable monster season in him like a elite level like josh Hader left-handed dominant reliever season in him and uh i would like it to be with the rays so i would like to hold on one one more year and hope that uh that you know you can have a, a full you know, stable with Nick Anderson, Peter Fairbanks, Diego Castillo, and Jose Alvarado. I think that's a, that's a, a, a f- like four unbelievable, like the, maybe the best four reliever combo in, in baseball, but any move with any of these relievers, Fairbanks, Anderson, Diego, any of them being traded would not shock me because the Rays are very much know that relievers are maybe the most volatile uh, like stock that you could own possible. Like they, like we've seen it all over baseball. Like you can see guys go from great to yikes and it, you never, you can almost never see it coming. So would not shock me, but I I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. Me neither. I also, yeah, I really like Jose Alvarado. You look back at his 2018 season, he pitched 64 innings, 11.25 K per nine, a two, three, nine ERA, a three, one, five X FIP. And he was worth 2.1 wins above replacement, according to fan graphs, which is nothing to sneeze at as a reliever appeared in 70 games for the Rays. And you know, the strikeout has still been there the last two years. He's just dealt with a lot, only 39 innings over the last two seasons. And like you said, at a million dollars, that's a stock that I personally would want to buy if, if, if I'm the Rays. Um, and they, they're definitely going to have to pick up some relievers at some point, given how many have left the organization. And so why not keep a guy in-house that you've seen uh, some really good baseball out of? And you could probably see at least a little bit more of that. Take a flyer on them for a year, see what happens. If it doesn't work out, you can cut, you know, you can cut ties with them next year. Um, but yeah, I think Wendell and Choi are the two names to watch over the next week uh, if you're a Rays fan and potentially, you know, they're, they're not going to move on from Tyler Glass now unless there's like a massive trade, but I don't expect that. Manuel Margot, 
I highly doubt, especially if we do think that Kevin Kiermeyer might potentially some way, somehow be on the move. Ryan Yarbrough, another relatively cheap starter that the Rays have gotten some very good innings out of. Uh, Yanni Torinos, he'll be injured for all of 2021. I doubt the Rays cut him loose. He'll be in his first arbitration year. So, yeah, other than that, uh, not a whole lot of news right now in baseball. It's going to be a slow winter after we get past this this non-tender deadline. Uh, Trevor Bauer is the biggest free agent out there. George Springer probably out of the position players. Uh, oh, and DJ LeMahieu as well. Um, but who cares about those guys? Uh, the Rays don't need them. So, Darby, any, any other thoughts on the offseason before we wrap this one up tonight? Uh, I think I think the biggest thing, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, is that I just always express caution and don't don't head too close to to the bridge when it comes to any race. Sunshine Skyway, you know, don't go, don't don't drive over there with bad intents. Take, you know, every move the race, you know, absolutely evaluate and criticize and and lambast moves that you don't like um but overall it, wait to to judge the race offseason until you see the whole picture because they are one of the most difficult teams to evaluate move to move because we see it time and time and time again with eric neander's off seasons that the first move connects to the fourth move and the fifth move and the third move is something that is like independently interesting but then the second move is different than the, and it's just, it's, it's really hard into, to go one by one to be like, how does this piece fit in? Because the next move might sort of change it. If the Rays acquire like a center fielder in like a, a move, you go, okay. Like when, when they acquired Brett Phillips, a perfect example, I, the a- outcome for that could be this off season when, when we or know not. what happens there, but or not, or maybe nothing. And maybe he, he gets non-tendered because of roster crunch. So wait for the whole picture to, to fully uh, freak out or celebrate. But uh, each individual move, it's, it's tough. The offseason is very long. It's very slow in baseball. Um, so I guess you can pay attention to the basketball offseason for right now to get that thrill in. And then when that dies off and it will dry up like the Sahara, and there will be no basketball news at all for like a long period of time. Uh, that's when baseball will slowly throw you like one move a week. That's like, yes. Okay. I can keep going. I can still make it through. Yeah. My, my sports calendar, my biological sports calendar is all in whack right now. We've got football season going on in NBA trade and free agency news. Don't know how to handle it. Usually the NBA and the NHL are getting started. Uh, and that'll be soon with the, uh, Toronto Raptors playing in Tampa. Yeah, the so. Tampa Bay Raptors. I don't, yeah, I don't the, know what the that biggest, means, the biggest, but... the biggest Tampa Bay acquisition of the offseason so far right now is uh, signed Fred Fleet to uh, <laughs> to a max extension. So there you go. Uh, well, you know, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Raptors and uh, Fred Van Fleet for getting that bag. For for sure, and I'll see if the Rays can go out there and maybe lock up one of their core players to an extension, but we'll have to wait and see for that. That's going to do it for Raise Your Voice this week. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, If you want to uh, get all episodes from our podcast network, that is Raise Your Voice and The Hit Show, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. 
And as always, make sure to head on over to DRaysBay.com to check it, check out all of the great off-season coverage. Um, there was a piece on Hunter Renfro being DFA'd and the prospects that the Rays added to the 40-man roster. Uh, a ton of other great content over on the site, so make sure to go check that out. Once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for Darby for hopping on, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.